And uh, this Sunday, we're going to be looking at a woman that a lot of people might not uh, have heard of. Uh, Recently, uh, before the series started, I asked our staff who was a woman in the Bible that they looked up to the most. And uh, our creative director, um, Abby, said uh, the, the woman she looked up to the most was Abigail. And I had never preached a sermon on Abigail before, and I began to study her and, and uh, really was inspired to uh, preach this message. So I'm look, looking forward to it. Uh, go to 1 Samuel chapter 25, 1 Samuel chapter 25, and it, it starts uh, with, <clears throat> I'm going to start in verse 2. Uh, actually, I'll start in verse 3. And uh, it says, his name was Nabal, and his wife, her name was Abigail. Uh, Nabal was a very wealthy man. He had a lot of cattle, a lot of, a lot of uh, resources, a lot of uh, wealth in this time. And his wife, her name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman. Anybody married to an intelligent and beautiful woman? I would have expected more enthusiasm out of uh, the men in here who are married to an intelligent and beautiful woman. Uh, and uh, her name was Abigail. Uh, but her husband was uh, mean in his dealings, and he was a Kelebite. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal, Nabal was shearing sheep, so he sent ten young men to them and say, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health, and to your household, good health to all that is yours. And uh, say to him, Now I hear that it is shearing time, and when your shepherds were with us, David said, We did not mis- mistreat you. Uh, we did nothing to allow anything to be missing from you, Nabal. Uh, ask your servants, and they will tell you. Therefore, we need a favor towards, from you, Nabal. Uh, since we came at a festival time, please give us your servants and your son David whatever you could find for us. So what's going on here is uh, David is uh, um, in the wilderness with his men, and they did a favor for Nabal. They protected him, and now David's looking for a favor from him. You know, uh, uh, you did this for us. We're, we're looking for something from you. And uh, this is Nabal's response. When David's men arrived, they told Nabal the message David told them to and then waited. And then Nabal answered David and said, who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I make my bread and my water and my meat that I have slaughtered for my shearers and give it to men coming from who knows where? And David's men turned around and went back. And when they arrived, they reported every word to David. And David, all of a sudden, his countenance shifted. And he got angry and said, each of you strap on your sword. So they did. David strapped his on as well. And 400 of them went up with David. 200 of them stayed put. And they went up to create a little ruckus and to uh, show Nabal who's boss. And... uh, take him and take everything that he had. And so now we have a conflict here. Uh, the sermon that I want to talk to you about, the title I've given it, uh, is Be a Peace Queen, Not a Drama Queen. Be a Peace Queen, Not a Drama Queen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. I just pray that you will help me deliver this message, Lord God. Uh, give, me, give me strength. Give me energy, Lord God. Give me the, the voice to be able to project this word uh, so that it could touch the hearts of every person in here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, I feel like this is such a needed message in the culture we live in, uh, where drama and conflict is so overblown, uh, where there is so much chaos and arguments that we desperately need 
some peacekeepers. We desperately need some, some people that are able to bring peace into any and every situation. Uh, it happens throughout the week where we're faced with conflict. Uh, some that are, are kind of frivolous, but some that is more serious. Uh, this past week, the biggest conflict that we had uh, in the Friedel household was uh, uh, we had a week of dentists. I had to go to the dentist on Monday, and uh, my son Judah had to go to the dentist on Wednesday. And uh, Diamond made a big mistake, Dottie. She had me go with Judah to the dentist. That was a big mistake because I am not as much of a peacekeeper as my wife is. And uh, Judah, Tuesday night, uh, he turns to me and Diamond. It was like the cutest thing. He, he has this look on his face and, and almost like a, a little crocodile tears about to come down. And he says, I am so anxious about tomorrow. Like a little grown-up, eight years old, feeling anxiety about going to the dentist. And, and he had to get one of his cavities filled. And, and so I go to the dentist. It's uh, one we go to is in Avon. And uh, they let me know uh, every, how much everything's going to cost. And uh, they said, uh, this is how much it's going to cost for the filling. But if we have to give him the uh, laughing gas, it's going to cost you an extra X, Y, and Z amount. And I was appalled at the amount that the, that the gas was going to cost. So I'm telling Judah, Judah, you got to take this needle like a champ, bro. Times are tough in the Friedel household. Like, you just, you just got to sit there and take that drill, man. I've done it. Mom's done it. We've all done it. Now it's your turn. Step up and be a man, Judah. It's time you grow up. Uh, I didn't exactly say it like that, but that was what I was feeling. Like, Judah, please, please, just take it. And so he gets in the chair, and uh, this is like a, a kid-free dentist. They have, like, little movies that the kids can watch. They got a movie set up for Judah. Judah is anxious. Judah cannot sit still. Judah is kicking. Judah is screaming. They're, they're like, whispering, like, sweet nothings. Like, Judah, calm down. It's going to be okay. Yada, yada, yada. Judah is panicked, and then all of a sudden, uh, they say, we got to do the gas, Dad. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, money down the drain. All right, do the gas. So they put the gas mask on Judah, and it's not working. They do 10, 10 like, milligrams. They do 20. They go all the way up to 60 milligrams on this kid, and this kid would not stop fidgeting, stopping moving. He's got this insane, like, tolerance to, to gas. I couldn't believe it. Like, his countenance never changed. Uh, most people would have passed out at 30. This kid still has anxiety at 60, like, 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 like breath. I don't know what they call pounds of pressure they're putting in his mouth. And, and so I get to, I'm like, Judah, Judah, you got to do this, man. We, the times are tough. You got to get this done, man. I can't come back to the dentist next week. It's going to cost more money. And the woman said, just sit down, dad. Sit down, take a breath. This woman came and she was amazing. She starts whispering to Judah, Judah, we just have to rub the little sugar bumps off your teeth. It's just going to take a little minute. You're going to feel a little vibration. It, it, it's just like the vibrations in the movie theater when you saw Frozen 2 last week. Like, how did she know that? Like, and I'm like, this woman is amazing. And she, she brought this peace into that room in a way that I never could. And, and it, it was incredible. And I, I want to compliment uh, all, all the ladies in the house. You, you ladies are amazing. You have this ability in you to bring peace to any and every situation, no matter how intense it is, no matter what the conflict is, you have this gifting to be a peacemaker. Did you know that? And you also have this gift to be a hurricane. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I find it interesting that uh, when they first started naming hurricanes, they went with with, with women's names, you know? Hurricane Sandy on the front row. And when she blows, Rick, no. <laughs> but 
But you, you, are, you have fire in you, girls. It's like, like that song. She's just a girl and she's on fire. That's right. And you can either use that, that fire to burn the house down or heat that whole place. Uh, and it, it, it comes from God. You know, it, it's interesting. Woman was the last thing that God created. The last thing on the sixth day created, created woman. And right after uh, God created woman came the day of rest and the day of peace. Which means that, that, that ladies, you have the gift to bring peace with you into any situation. And this is what the proverb says. I, I love it. It says, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 1. A wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, a foolish one tears it down. Fools give full vent to their rage, but wise bring calm in the end. And more than anything, we need peacekeepers in this time that we're living in. Uh, my wife is, is such an amazing peacekeeper in our home. Uh, just recently, uh, my, uh, my daughter Lily discovered Monopoly. And uh, she, she wanted to play Monopoly with me for so long. Finally, yesterday, I don't know why I chose a Saturday. Maybe I was procrastinating writing this sermon. But I said, all right, let's sit down and play Monopoly. So uh, Lily sat down and played Monopoly with me. And it was a bloodbath, ladies and gentlemen. It got nasty. Because I have this really kind of annoying strategy when I play Monopoly. Everybody has their own strategies. My strategy is to do whatever you can to get one Monopoly and then mortgage every property that you buy and take all the money that you got from mortgaging all the other properties and then put houses on it and just wait for them to land on your hotels and houses. And Lily fell for it like a fool. I mean, I expected more out of you, Lily. You're six now. And so I, I was just, I was crushing Lily. She landed on my, my, my I, I got boardwalk and park place right off the bat. I uh, got very blessed. Uh, God loves me more than anybody else. And, and so I, I got hotels on boardwalk and park place. She lands on them. And she's like, I have to give you what? No, I'm not giving you the $1,500. I'm like, you will give me that $1,500, Lily. I reach over to take it. And we get into the shouting matchup. Then Diamond comes over and brings peace to our monopoly chaos. And then we were able to take a portrait afterwards, after mommy got involved. Because ladies, you have the gift to bring peace wherever you go. And that's what we see in this story. We see in this story a, a chaotic situation. We see in this story a huge conflict that Abigail shows up in the middle of. What's the conflict, you ask? Well, the conflict is between this man Nabal and David. And David asked Nabal if he could have some, some food for his men who are hungry. Uh, I did you a favor, Nabal, when you needed help, and now we're looking for a favor from you. But Nabal disrespects David. And, and, and when he disrespects David, David is angry. David flies off the, the handle. And, and here's Abigail in the middle. And Abigail knows what it's like to live with chaos. Do you want to know how we know that, Daddy? Because her husband is a fool. I know, do you know how I know her husband's a fool? Because Nabal literally means fool in the Hebrew. Don't ever name your kids Nabal. It will not go well for you. And, and, and it says in the scriptures, and everywhere he goes, he brings foolishness with him. And so you got this fool who thinks it would be a great idea to, to start talking trash and disrespecting David, but Nabal didn't realize he was barking up the wrong tree. Because everybody has buttons, and sometimes you may bark up the wrong tree. There was this, this story of a, of, of a man who uh, was, was looking to steal a cell phone from somebody uh, in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. 
And uh, he walked up to her and he had a highlighter and he put it in her back and said, uh, give me your phone, I have a gun. And he didn't realize that, that this 115 pound woman was Polana Vione, who was a UFC fighter. And in two moves, she punched him twice in the face and then kicked him right in the gut, dropped him to the ground and got him in a rear naked choke until the police came. And homeboy was barking up the wrong tree, right? And, and so here's, a, here's a, a Nabal, and Nabal's barking up the wrong tree. Who's that tree? That tree is King David. King David is not somebody you want to mess with. He's killed giants. He killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. And he's not having a good day. He's hungry. And you are not going to like King David very much when he's hungry. And now he feels disrespected, and he's ready to go for blood at Nabal's house. Now, you may on the other side say, David's a little bit of a drama king himself. Because, I mean, David, all he did was say, you can't have any of his food. And now you want to take 400 of your men and kill him and kill his, all, all of his servants and take all of his, his cattle and all of his food. It's a little excessive, David. But sometimes you push the wrong button. Do you have a button? Do you have a button? I mean, I know you put everybody smile. Yes, smile. You look so cute today, and you are doing so great worshiping God, and, and you know, hallelujah, hallelujah. But if you push the wrong button, that same person who's singing, isn't he, isn't he, you cut that person off and push that button, they will get ready to jump your behind because you push that person's button. I don't care how spiritual you are. David was a man after God's own heart. David was a worship leader, Nicole, and he, they pushed his buttons, and he was ready to go blow for blow with swords to take people out because they pushed his buttons. Now, what is David's buttons? Now, this is where it gets a little sensitive because a lot of times our, our buttons stem from something that was done to us. And, and then all of a sudden, we never allowed that wound to heal. And then when somebody else pushes that button or pokes in that wound, then we're ready to go after them and jump through their throat in one second. And so what was David's wound? See, when David was just a, a, a young kid, when he was a teenager, uh, he had seven other brothers. And uh, there was this big family moment where the prophet Samuel was coming to David's house to anoint the next king of Israel. And it was going to come from the sons of Jesse. Jesse was David's dad. And Jesse thought it would be great to invite everybody except David. Because David obviously wasn't important enough, obviously wasn't worthy enough. And so from that moment on, I'm sure that David had this sensitive area where, where his father didn't even find him worthy enough to be the possible next king of Israel. And you may know the story that, that eventually the, the prophet said, it's none of these sons, do you have any more? Uh, and then the, the, the father said, yeah, I have one more, but he's just a shepherd boy. Uh, bring him at once. And David was anointed the, the future king of Israel. But how many of you know that your future success can never heal a past wound? Doesn't matter how successful you are. That, that, if, if that success will never heal that wound from your past. doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what you accumulate. You'll never be able to heal that wound of somebody that never believed in you. That's somebody that rejected you. That's why if your motivation is to prove them wrong and you think by proving them wrong that somehow that's going to heal that wound of rejection and hurt that you're facing, you are dead wrong. Future success does not heal past wounds. And so David has this wound. 
And then when Nabal says to him, who is this David? Obviously, he's heard of David. David killed Goliath. Everybody knows David in this area, but he's trying to get under his skin. And when, when Nabal said this, who is this son of Jesse? You're not important. You're not important enough for me to help you. It began probing that old wound that David had and began getting under his skin and making him feel the same way he felt when he was a 15-year-old kid being left out by his father. And, and so now David is ready to, to go after him. And now uh, uh, you have Nabal here and you have David. And, and now Abigail, the peacemaker, is always a woman. Say, there's always a woman. That's right. In the middle of a conflict, this, this fierce woman of faith, Abigail, steps up and says, I got to do something about this. And so it says, verse 18, Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheep. She just took like a lot of stuff, okay? Let's just, and like, I don't want to read the, just a lot of stuff, a lot of food, a lot of wine, uh, a lot of sheep, and, and, and goes to meet David. And when she told her servants, go ahead, I'll follow but she did not tell her husband Nabal. And then she gets to, to David, and she's got all this stuff, and then she's, she says, verse, verse 10, she fell at his feet and said, me alone, my Lord, is to blame. And please let your maidservant speak to you and listen to the words of your maidservant. I don't like that. Any, any ladies I, I say, I don't like that. Like, what does she have to, what, what, what blame does she have? I mean, Nabal's the fool, David's the hothead, and here's Abigail falling on her feet, saying, me alone, my Lord, be the blame. Wow. That takes some real courage, some real security to say something like that. But many times in the midst of a conflict, the reason why we pour gasoline on an already burning fire is because our desire to be proven right. That I'm right in this argument. I'm right in this conflict. I'm being, I'm being disrespected, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to prove to you that you're disrespecting me. And, and, and it's like a, like a, are they called Mexican standoff? Is that what they're called? We're like, Mom, no, never saw that movie. But it's like, like, like you, you go first. No, you, no, you, no, you. And then nobody goes anywhere. My, my dad said this to me, some of the best advice I ever got. And it is so hard to live, but there is so much wisdom in this. I, I'll never forget. He said to me, son, and I was in the middle of a conflict with somebody, somebody that I was friends with, and we had a disagreement. And he said to me, son, sometimes it's better to lose an argument and win a friend. And I thought to myself, wow, so easy to say, but so hard to, to do. But, but yet that's what Abigail is doing in this moment. She's, she's saying, I'm, I'm going to put the blame on myself in order to avoid this conflict that's happening in, in my household. And, 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 and sometimes uh, we, we need to be able to bring humility into chaos. See, humility and peace and saying, I'm sorry, brings peace into any conflict and sometimes it's not about who's right. It's about bringing harmony and peace into a home or into a situation. It's not brushing it under the rug, but it is allowing that other person to put their guard down so that you can now speak into their life and speak your heart and what you're going through. Are you with me? And, and a lot of times we struggle with that. 
Uh, I find it interesting that in the book of Esther, we talked about her, uh, that there was this other evil man by the name of Haman, and Haman had a wife, and Haman had a, an offense, a conflict that he was dealing with, and he told his wife about it, and his wife, rather than being a peacemaker, egged Haman on and said, why don't you just go build a hanging gallow and kill him on the hanging gallows tomorrow? And so Haman said, that's a great idea. And it ended up destroying his life and ripping apart their entire family because his wife poured fire or gasoline on a fire rather than being a peacemaker. Be a peacemaker. So what did Abigail do? What strategy did she use in order to bring peace to this conflict that she was faced with? These are two incredible pieces of wisdom that I pray that you remember and I pray that you're able to use and this is for anybody. Uh, the first thing that Abigail did was she fell at the feet of David and, and said, David, put the blame on me. Uh, please forgive me and, and, and my husband. He meant no disrespect. And then this is what she said to him. She said, his name is fool, and he's a fool everywhere he goes. What she was basically saying is, I feel you. <laughs> I live with the dude. He's disrespectful as they come. You think he's made you feel bad. Oh my gosh, I sh you, should, you should hear what he said to me last weekend when he got drunk. For real. I, I feel you. I feel you, David. And see, when you're able to empathize with somebody else's struggle, it opens a window for you to be able to speak life and encouragement into that person's heart. See, people need to see the cracks in you in order for the light to shine into them. See, a lot of times in, in church, one of our greatest mistakes is, is we, uh, we're really great at saying, you should. We're even better at saying, you should not. Or, or maybe like, like old King James, thou shalt not. Thou shalt join a life group. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt, and, and, and that's what we're great at. Uh, but what, what I found is nobody cares what you should do, what they should do, until they know that you can empathize with what they're going through. See, empathy is one of the greatest gifts that you could have. And empathy can only come through a crisis that you have faced or are facing and have overcome in your life. See, empathy is different than sympathy. Sympathy is, uh, uh, I feel bad for you. But empathy is, I understand how you feel because I've been there before. Like I, I, I never really knew this until I went through a crisis in my life. You know, when, when my dad died, I had no idea what it was like before then uh, to ever lose somebody that, that I loved and cared about. And, and it changed my whole perspective on grief. It changed my whole perspective on pastoring. It changed my whole perspective on, on, on how, how to be able to, 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 to share my heart with somebody who's going through a crisis. Because before my, like, I went through that, I would just tell somebody, hey, you know, Dottie, they're, they're in heaven. I, I mean, God's good. You know, you don't have to worry. He's in heaven. You know where he is. And then I, I, I realized that after I lost my father that way, that that's not what somebody needs to hear when they're going through that kind of crisis, but they need someone to put their arm around them and, and, and say to them, God loves you. He's proud of you. If you need me, I'm here. God's going to get you through this. I don't know when. I don't know how, but he will. That's it. And 
Yeah, one person needed to hear that. And I was able to have the gift through my crisis of empathy. Every crisis you have, God will comfort you through it, and he'll give you the gift of empathy. I shared it with the last service. I'm going to share it in this service. Um, I, I, last Sunday, I shared about a tra tragedy that our family went through. And uh, somebody literally after service, after the first service, uh, said to me, uh, I want to get together, yada, 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 and, and said to me, oh, you know, how's, how, how's everything going with, with, with Diamond the baby? And I, I told them, I said, you know, we, we had a miscarriage. We lost the baby. And the person said right back to me, I'm so sorry. That was actually one of the reasons why I wanted to meet with you, something going on in my life. And I realized that now, even though I went through the pain of a crisis, that now it gives me the gift to be able to empathize with somebody else who maybe is going or has gone through something similar. See, God never wastes a moment in your life. Even the, the worst of the worst, now there's a gift that you can have through it. And, and so often in church, I hate having to be up on this stage. Why do I hate it? Because I feel like it gives an impression that I'm, I'm above other people. And, and, and sometimes in church, and maybe you've gone to a church like that, and I pray that we never uh, tra translate a message that implies this to you, that, that somehow the pastor is above everybody else. That somehow I don't struggle with what you struggle with. That I've figured it out, and now I have the ability to tell you everything you should do. Because I am so perfect. No. I, I wish, like, this is really where I should be. And, and I, I know I can't do it all, every Sunday because... Um, you know, you can't really get me on camera because I move around a lot. I need to stay up on the stage. That's what you tell me. But really, I, I want to be able to be next to you guys because that's where the, the, the pastor belongs because I'm in this with you. Like, I struggle just like you struggle. That's why you will always hear me sharing my heart from this stage so that you know before I ever share a message and say you should, you first know that I feel you. I feel your pain. I've been, gone through pain. Like, I know what it's like to, to wake up on a Sunday morning and rather watch refund, re, like, like what, what are they called? Reruns of Seinfeld than come here on a Sunday. Like, I feel you. I have an ADD prayer life. I feel you. I could be praying and my mind could be thinking about what I got to pick up at the grocery store tomorrow. I feel you. I know what it's like to have three kids and it is crazy on Sunday mornings and you want to do anything but try and get them ready and come to church, but I have to come to church because I'm the pastor and nobody else is going to do this on a Sunday morning but me. I have to, but I feel you on that. Like there are days where I would rather take a plane flight to anywhere, to Seaford, Delaware, and evade the responsibilities, and that's really saying something, that I have to face on that particular day. I feel you. I, like, I'll be honest. There are some times I read the Bible, and I have no idea what I'm reading. I'm like, how do you pronounce that? Like, what is this? I feel you. There, there's some times that I have doubts whether this is the right thing or, or not the right thing. I have, I have some serious struggles some days with whether or not this is 100% true. I, I remember... Uh, me and my mom, we, we came home one Sunday, and we, we were singing this, this new song at church, and uh, um, the new song was uh, um, by Jesus Culture. He's never gonna let, never gonna let you down, um, right, or something like that. 
How's my voice? Can I be on the worship team, Nicole? <laughs> no talk. And, and we, we, we got home, and, and, and you know, my, my mom said to me and said, I, I don't like that song because I sure felt God let me down when he took my husband away. I, I mean, you, you, think, you think that some people are immune to it? No, 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 no. We, I feel you. I feel you. My mom feels you. This is a I feel you church where we put our arms around each other and say we're all in this together. We're in, all in this same boat together. When you hurt, I hurt. I can empathize with your struggle. And that is why Jesus is so amazing is because Jesus didn't stay on the platform of heaven. And says, oh, oh, you should. No. He said, I feel you. I'm going to come down in the dirt. I'm going to come down in the loneliness. I'm going to come down in the pain, in the suffering. For he was tempted in every way we were. And he could empathize with our struggle because he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne room of grace so that we could obtain mercy in our time of need. That is why Jesus was revolutionary. That is why Jesus could open up the hearts of the most hardened people. That is why Jesus... Jesus can reach people that are in the darkest places of grief, who have lost, lost loved ones, who have battled rejection, is because Jesus went through the same stuff. He's not a God that's up on a cloud that's looking down on us, but he came down in the mess with us so that he could rescue us and be the rock and the anchor that we need when we are in our crisis and in our pain. That is why our hearts have to be open to him, because he can relate to what you are going through. That's my Jesus. Whatever you're going through, Jesus says, I feel you. When someone says, I feel you, man, that opens up my heart to allow you to speak into me. And that's what Abigail was able to do. Abigail says, I feel you. He's a fool everywhere. And then the next thing Abigail said to him was, I feel you. And now I want you to know that you belong, David. You want to bring peace? You tell somebody, I feel you, and then you let them know that you belong. The biggest reason why people feel so conflicted in their hearts, and there's so much anger and so much pain, is because people have felt that they don't belong in certain places, that they have been rejected and they have been marginalized. And they need to know that they belong. That's why like, I, I want this church to be a place where you can belong before you even believe. Like, I don't want to be a believe and belong church. Like, you got to believe the same exact way that I, I believe in order for you to find a church that you're comfortable in, that you could belong in. No, 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 no. You, you could belong, and I know that through that you will believe. Yes, I, I think of Jesus and, and, and the woman that they threw at his feet. John chapter 8, uh, she deserved to be stoned. She was an adulterer. And, and Jesus looked at him and said, nobody condemns you. He who has sinned cast the first stone. I'm going to show you mercy. I'm going to show you grace. And through that, man, that opened up that woman's heart. And then Jesus was able to speak into her. Now go and sin no more. See, grace first. Love first first. Forgiveness first. Mercy first. And then you have an open heart that you could speak into. And you belong. That's what Abigail said to, to David. She, she said, listen to this, please forgive your servant's presumption. 
The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord because you fight the Lord's battle and no wrongdoing will ever be found as long as you live. David, I believe in you. I believe that you are who God said you are. I believe that you are who God anointed you to be. I don't care what Nabal has said over you. I don't care what your own father Jesse has said over you. I believe what God has spoken over your life. And all of a sudden in that moment, David's countenance changed. He went from being angry and, and wanting conflict and wanting blood to all of a sudden peace came in his heart because of this peacemaker, Abigail. And you have that same gift in you. Listen to what happened. It says, David said to Abigail, praise be to the Lord. Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you to me today. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. And verse 35, then David accepted from her hand what she had brought and said to her, now go home in peace because I have heard your words. God, don't you want your words to be heard? Don't you want your heart to be heard by somebody? When you're always screaming. That was a little overdramatic. I apologize. You get the point. When you're always screaming with anger, trying to prove your point and prove that you're right, they're never going to hear what you say. If you want to be heard, be a peacekeeper. If you want your heart to be heard, be able to apply what Abigail did to any conflict. I feel you. I, I might not understand why you feel that way, but I feel you. And if you hurt, I hurt. If you're distressed, I'm distressed. I feel you. And then let them know they belong. You are not rejected. You belong. And when you do those two things, I believe that there's no conflict that cannot be overcome. That, yeah, we might not agree on everything, but if we could see each other through mercy, that's it. That's it. If we could see each other through mercy. Because, my gosh, Jesus looked down at us. He doesn't see us through our sin. He sees us through mercy. And that makes me want to receive what he has to say. If my wife is amazing, she's not here. She's amazing, though. She gives me everything. She, she blesses me. She's so sweet to me. Never yells at me. That's a lie, but... Um, <laughs> Just pretending here. No. No, she, my wife is amazing, but, but how incredible she is doesn't make me want to go out and cheat on her. It wants me to reciprocate what she is giving me. Do I hear an amen? And the same is true for Jesus. When you see the mercy that he has given you and how much he has forgiven you of, that allows him to now speak into your life a you should or you should not. Because now you know that he feels you and that you belong. And now all of a sudden there's a heart open for God to speak into. Are you with me? Does this make sense this morning? Amen. If you could just stand to your feet right now. I, I just, I want to declare this over your life this morning. And I want you, if, if, if you feel comfortable, just to repeat this after me. Everyone in here, not just the ladies, everybody in here, because this is a declaration that I believe God is speaking over us today. Uh, repeat after me. Fierce faith is inside of me. It is part of my DNA because I am a child of God. I am capable of standing in the midst of the most debilitating situation. 
that would cripple most people, but not me. My faith is second to none. In me is faith to heal, faith to preach, faith to overcome adversity, faith to stare darkness in the face and say, I still believe that with God, all things are possible. I am not weak. I am not unqualified. I am not defined by my past. I am not defined by my outward appearance. I am fierce. I am anointed. I am a peacemaker. I am a peacemaker. I am a peacemaker. I am bold as a lion and gentle as a dove. And I am created by God with care and love for a time such as this. Jesus said this in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers for theirs is the kingdom of God. Let's bow our heads. Father, I pray right now, Lord, just feel a, an unction right now. We didn't do this in any of the services, but I feel that there is an anointing that is healing past wounds. And no future success can heal that past wound. And you wonder why that, that button gets pressed and it's because that wound is still open. Pray this morning that you will hear the voice of this pastor speaking God's word. That Jesus, he came and he went through what you went through. Jesus was rejected by his own disciples. He was, he was tossed insults. He, was, he had to battle loneliness. He understands what you are going through because he went through the same thing. He feels you. And he wants to say to you this morning, you belong. You might have felt unimportant. You might have felt uninvited. You might have felt unworthy because of the way you've been treated by other people. But Jesus is saying to you this morning, you belong. You belong. 